What's going on, everyone? And welcome into this edition of Be Shafe Daily Live. As tonight, we're talking about a Cardinals win in the series opener, the opener of a new homestand. Cardinals beat the Cincinnati Reds 7-4, to and they kind of had it all clicking in this game. Maybe not entirely on the bullpen, as we'll talk about tonight. A little rusty uh, in some regards there, but man, the offense finally coming to life for the Cardinals. They score, let me get this right, more than four runs for the first time in a week. I think last Friday, one week ago, is the last time they had done that when they lost to Pittsburgh 7-5. to And then I think this is the first time they've scored more than five runs since May 23rd, a game that was also against Cincinnati back when they were playing at Great American Ballpark. I mean, we're talking about well more than two weeks ago, about 17-ish days ago at this point, since the Cardinals had beaten a five-run total. They were able to do that tonight with a 7-4 to win, getting some key at-bats and home runs, baby. We're all about the power. Like to see it from Arenado. Like to see it from Jordan Walker, who had a big night for the Cardinals. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. Get your comments in as quickly as you can, and we'll try to jump right to them here tonight. But how about Nolan Gorman as well? He's somebody I want to take a moment to talk about when it comes to the insurance that he provided the Cardinals because that's not something they were able to get a week ago when they lost that 7-5 to game in Pittsburgh. The bullpen faulty in that one, and it ended up costing the Cardinals that they weren't able to come through late with some of the bases-loaded opportunities that they had. Tonight was kind of a similar scenario potentially brewing for the Cardinals as you had this nice lead at the beginning. It was 5 nothing, identical circumstances, honestly. And then the Reds coming up with a couple of runs in the seventh. And then just when you think, uh-oh, is it about to start to get ugly again? Nope, Nolan Gorman comes through with a big swing. Now, the eighth inning was also kind of its own adventure. And we'll talk about what we thought of the bullpen um, what we thought about Ali Marvel's decision to pull the starter after six as he had been kind of cruising. I actually did get to ask Jordan Montgomery for his thoughts about that. And so stay tuned if you were one of those who kind of wondered, did they pull him a little early? Could they have gone with him longer? I always have thoughts when it comes to uh, the tweets I get on, hey, did Ali Marmel screw up? And I know a lot of times the YouTube comments will look similar. So let me know what you thought about it. And then I'll kind of give you my breakdown of what I saw and what I thought from tonight's game. Make sure you are subscribed to the Brendan Schaefer channel right here on YouTube because that will allow you to comment within 60 seconds. Uh, Spotify would love to have you follow over there. And if you have an iPhone, Apple Podcasts, another great way to listen to Be Shafe Daily. Uh, this live edition of the podcast will be up on Spotify and Apple uh, sometime overnight after I get finished with this. But by the morning, you'll certainly be able to listen back over there if you don't want to deal with YouTube uh, for whatever reason. So appreciate you guys for being here tonight. Would love to get the likes up. We're at 10. I think we can get to 20 for sure. Thank you guys for joining. And let's go ahead and jump right into the comments because like I mentioned off the top, would love to just have about an hour flat tonight. Um, in order for me to do more of these lives, I have to start committing to maybe not going an hour 45 on all of them um, because uh, it kind of sucks staying up till 2, 3 in the morning to do stuff, and then you just don't have energy the next day. So want to be able to be efficient, but also be consistent with these videos. And so appreciate you guys for joining me. Let's go ahead and jump right in so that we can get to all your comments tonight within about an hour. That would be the goal. Um, but if, if the party's going crazy, maybe I'll miss a few, uh, but we'll give it our shot. Allison says, good evening. What a game. Did getting ahead early in the game help the offense? I mean, I think it helped the offense. I think it helped Jordan Montgomery uh, to kind of have a lead like, I mentioned this off the top that Jordan Montgomery has not been a winner for the Cardinals since April 8th. And not only has he not gotten a win, which he was able to do tonight, 
the team has not gotten a win for Monty since April 8th. You look through this, and I've got it up here on his game log. We'll be showing on your screen, hopefully, if the technology allows. Started off with two wins to begin the season, and then this is just right here, the, the column of the decisions by the team. L, 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 Every single one of them. They lost every single game prior to tonight between April 13th and this one. Ten losses in a row for the Cardinals for Montgomery. Now, he hadn't pitched poorly in all of those. You see here in April 18th, he gave up seven. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, in April, he was pretty much nails, and the, the Cardinals just right here and here did not get anything done for him. Uh, he hit a little bit of a tough stretch in May, gave up six runs, had another where he gave up four. And then, of course, the last one in Pittsburgh, only one earned run, but four total runs and another loss. Tonight, I think you saw a different version of Montgomery in the postgame. Actually, he was smiling, which is not something he's had a lot of reason to do. He's a very mild-mannered kind of guy, uh, especially when talking to the media. And so you don't always get a sense for how he's feeling about things, but you do know he talks about it every time he wants to win. And wants to be able to help this team win. And so I think he was just in a much better place tonight after getting a chance to finally do that for the first time since April 8th. But Allison, to answer that question, I think he pitched better knowing he had a bit of a lead to work with, just gave him more confidence. And I think the fact that you get that early one, Arenado with, uh, man, it was a blast, a loud home run off the bat as we'll kind of take a look at the Cardinals uh, offensive box score on the screen here. Also have some injury news to talk about, given that Dylan Carlson was back in the lineup for the Cardinals today for the first time in a while. What did you think of Tommy Edmond playing center field? I uh, commented on the the big show, if you happen to listen to that, on KTGR between 4 and 6 p.m. on weekdays, that I just thought they're kind of just jerking Dylan Carlson around again uh, by not putting him back into center field after he had demonstrated, really, the ability to just be a an excellent center fielder defensively. But also, I think they want to have some consistency, some stabilization to that outfield. And frankly, I think it's a deal where they want to have a guy in center field consistently that they know is going to be in the lineup consistently. I'm kind of wondering if that's a sign that maybe we don't see as much of Dylan Carlson after Lars Newpar returns. Now, bad news for Newpar, good news for maybe Carlson's runway to get a chance to play is that it doesn't sound like Newpar is going to be back relatively soon. Uh, the, the, the tweets, I think from before the game that I was seeing, which again, I don't typically get to go to the weekday pregame shows because or pregame shows, the pregame sessions with, uh, Ollie Marmel, because I'm usually on the radio at my, uh, at my house doing the big show, but I want to scroll back to one of the reporters that was there to get a sense for that. But I can recall kind of reading the tweets about it. New bar, maybe not quite ready to go just yet. And uh, they're not entirely sure when that would be. Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat tweeting out, Lars Newpar took some light swings off a tee yesterday, but is still feeling a little discomfort. Not going to be pushed until he's pain-free, likely still a bit off. So I think at least a week, maybe it could still be more than that for Lars Newpar based on the way that sounded from Cardinals pregame today. Uh, maybe a little disappointing given that, you know, with the back, it seemed at first like maybe he wouldn't even need an IL stint, but it always kind of seems to develop that way, especially when you're talking about a back injury that could tend to linger. Uh, they're, they're playing it on the safe side. No need to rush him through. Now, granted, you might say, well, doesn't that sound awfully similar to Tyler O'Neill? I would be surprised if the back issue for Newt Bar developed in the same way that O'Neill's has, where it's just been weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't even remember when it was that O'Neill went on the IL, but uh, we haven't seen him in a while and, and probably won't soon. I would say within the next couple of weeks, 
you're probably hearing about Lars Newtbar, uh, at least starting up on a rehab. I, I do think with the length of time that he's ultimately going to miss that it will be a rehab necessary. Um, but I just don't think it'll be terribly long. You'll see him in June. Let's put it that way. I know that's not maybe super encouraging since there's still three weeks left in the month, but I would be surprised if you don't get some some positive updates on Newt within the next, you know, week to 10 days to 14 days or so. I think he'll be starting to move back toward. But again, with a back, it can tend to linger. So we'll wait and see. But what that means is, you know, Dylan Carlson's going to get some runway. Um, but when Newt Bar eventually does return, I would think he might end up actually having Newt Bar in center. Um, maybe Walker moves to left with uh, Tommy back to right, or maybe they keep Tommy in center if they really like it. It's a little weird because he's he's an infielder, right, by by trade, but it looks good out there in the speed. Is one thing that Jordan Montgomery noted when he was asked about Tommy Edmond tonight. He said he's just so fast. And, yeah, I mean, some of the plays that he can make, there was one ball that got deep into the right center gap between Edmond and Carlson out there. But other than that, pretty much any ball in the air, as Ollie Marmel mentioned tonight, you have confidence that those guys are going to be able to track it down. Uh, and with Jordan Walker playing on the other side and left, not as adept uh, and, and familiar with the outfield at this point in time, uh, you feel like they're covering a lot of ground. So that, that might be part of it as well with Tommy to try and make up for some of the deficiencies and the lack of comfort, the lack of getting a good jump sometimes on a ball if you're Jordan Walker. Uh, again, he's only ever played the outfield for the last 10 months or so, and so there is a learning curve there to be expected. Um, but I think they've done a nice job of uh, you know finding ways to mitigate some of those some of those issues, and, and maybe Tommy Edmonds going to be a part of that. Look, I think Dylan Carlson should be in center field anytime he's in the game because I believe he's the Cardinals' best defensive center fielder. Uh, Tyler O'Neill just simply did not show the in instincts to be able to play the position uh, at the level that his athleticism and speed would suggest. Tommy Edmond is different, though. Tommy does have legitimately good instincts in center field. Uh, you know, he, he reads the ball well off the bat. He had a great catch uh, going back up against the wall tonight. He does a nice job out there. I understand it. If they look at Dylan and say, hey, if the offense isn't there, which again, I as we've talked about hashtag everyday Dylan, I would like to see Dylan be given that opportunity to sort of, you know, you pump his tires a little bit and you say, hey, we believe in you offensively to be able to get this thing figured out to be that everyday player. You know, maybe you get some better results from him tonight. 0 for 2, but had two walks and was putting the ball, you know, had a foul ball that was hit pretty well to the right side, uh, kind of a, a line drive on one of the outs that he had. Like he's putting the ball in play, taking a couple of walks. I would still say you give him opportunities to play but it could get a little bit fishy, a little bit interesting when you get Newtbar back in the in the fold because Jordan Walker's not going anywhere, nor should he. Um, you're really seeing it come together for him. Yes, he still hits the ball on the ground more often than he does, and it seems like, but it's always with a 100-mile-per-hour exit below. It's really the way that it seems for Walker. And then one of the swings that he had tonight, didn't hit it on the ground, hit it off the Purina sign in the back end of the, uh, like the back wall of the visiting bullpen, 109.4 miles per hour off the bat. And when you add launch angle to that, as he did, yeah, the ball goes a long way. Three for four night, couple of runs scored. I saw Jordan Walker run the bases well, even as well. So I, just really good things from him. Yeah, he's a stud, and he's going to continue to be as he just gets more acclimated to the big league game. He should be here the rest of the year, and honestly, he shouldn't go to Memphis other than a rehab assignment for the next 10 years. Uh, you just got to put him in there, and I get that there are deficiencies with his outfield play. But it's all going to come with time. He is a legit athlete. Cardinals just got to trust in the process, I think, with him and know that he's going to reward you at the end of the day. And I've seen people, you know, talk about his numbers offensively, which now he's up to a 766 OPS, uh, 278 batting average. 
saw some commentary earlier in the day from some people that I like, but I, I didn't get a chance to talk to them about it, so I'm not going to name anybody names, anybody by name. But, like, I, I think, yes, Jordan Walker is a plus offensive player at the big league level. I think he adds to your lineup. I don't worry about the defensive deficiencies enough to say, well, is he really a good enough hitter to, to make it worthwhile? Yeah, he is. And I think you're you're going to end up seeing that over the course of months and months if you just let him play. And so I was never in favor of sending him down in the first place. I think it's kind of ridiculous to take a 20-year-old and say, well, you're not hitting the ball in the air enough when he's just smoking it every time he hits it. That's what you learn, I feel like, as you go through the big leagues. To do it at 20 years old and to be able to hold your own already, like we've talked about how player development for the Cardinals in recent years hasn't been particularly strong, and sometimes I feel like you're nitpicking a little bit. If you're looking at a 20-year-old, which now he's 21, but when they sent him down, he was still 20. And you're looking at a guy like that, and you're saying, well, here's what you're doing wrong. I just wish that maybe they would go about that a little differently. Now he's here, so we don't need to dwell on the past. But I, th- I think part of that whole, yes, hitting the ball in the air, it's true. It's a valid thing that they want him to do, and Ollie mentioned it again tonight. Like You see the benefit of it when he does. But could the Cardinals and just the general development of Jordan Walker benefit from allowing him to just kind of go through some of that? Like He hit some ground balls tonight. Some of them were finding holes, and when you hit it as hard as he does, that's more liable to happen. And yeah, if, if once or twice you're able to hit the ball in the air, you're probably going to come up with some damage, which Walker did. I, I think he had a great game tonight, indicative of what he can bring to the plate for the Cardinals moving forward. Uh, pretty exciting to see. I'm going to stop ranting about Jordan Walker because I'm sure y'all are going to be talking about him as well in the comments. Make sure you like the stream. We can get to 20. I believe in us. We're at 15 right now. Let's make it happen. Uh, but continue to keep the comments flowing, and I will jump right back into them now. Uh, Child is Scambino saying, Cardinals winning with Monty for the first time since the Second World War. It really did feel like that. And again, I kind of talked about the demeanor of Monty tonight. He was laughing, smiling, you know, in some conversations with people in the clubhouse. That was good to see. Uh, again, just seems like a good guy that that wears it when he loses, when the team loses. And a lot of the times that those losses have piled up, it hasn't always been on Jordan Montgomery. Looking here a, a little more at his box scores. Yeah, when you give up four runs, four runs, six runs, and, and he's done that in about half of his last eight or so outings, yeah, you, you end up probably taking some of the blame for that. But how about six innings zero, six innings one, six innings two, five and a third three, you know, you know, Wainwright's picked up wins for for less than that. Five innings, two, uh, five and two thirds, one. Like he's he's been a hard luck loser in a lot of these games. To rack up a a two and seven record prior to tonight, uh, just uh, does not feel indicative of what he's brought to the table. As we kind of show you the pitching stats from the Cardinals tonight, uh, yeah, a clean six innings, no runs, uh, three hits, two walk or one walk allowed. So that's really just the four base runners. And and if my memory serves. He gave up the majority of that pretty early and then was able to kind of coast after dealing with a little bit of traffic there at the beginning of the game. Six strikeouts, the ERA back to 3.88. What's key about this is we've talked about, at least I have on the radio show, I have a little bit on B-Shape Daily on the uh, the pre-recorded episodes if you've been listening recently, talked about how the, the pitching staff is really coming around in the rotation. And if you have Montgomery added to a Jack Flaherty who has really looked good over the past five, six, seven starts, whatever it's been, uh, since kind of that early May blow up against the Angels, he's been really sharp. And Michael is we we've, we've been able to see a much better version of him. If if Monty is added to that group, that's three. And now you're looking at Libertor to see if he can really rise to the occasion. Which I still say, give him another five six weeks to see if he can do it. And if he can't, 
Go trade for Dylan Cease. Go trade for somebody on the market that can be a top-line starter for you and suddenly turn this group from, I mean, where it was in, in April and early May when you just had no faith in what was going on to, okay, now if if Monty pitches like this and Michaelis and Flaherty go the way they've been going of late, you've got at least all three of those guys are a number three or better in a rotation. you got a couple of number twos probably, and I, I hate to, to – like take away the notion of them being able to be number ones. But I think it's just the fact that it's taken them this long to get to this point that you're a little skeptical of jumping right back to saying, Hey, they're an ace. They're an ace. Like let's pump the brakes a little bit to say they're twos and threes scattered throughout that trio, I think is legitimately accurate if they're going this way. And then you go, can Libby do it? If not, go get a guy who's a two or a one. And they've got, I think the assets to be able to make that happen. Now, it's going to hurt if they go get a Dylan Cease or somebody like that. It is going to hurt, especially if they have to trade away from the Major League roster. You always want to be careful doing something like that, especially if they start to turn things around. You you just don't want to take anything for granted. Remember last year what the Brewers did. It didn't go well for that clubhouse when Josh Hader was dealt. The, the players did not react kindly to it. And so you do want to be careful, I think, about those sorts of uh, endeavors as a, a GM or a president of baseball operations. I'll say this, though. Uh, you know, guys like Tommy Edmond, Cardinals fans are going, oh, Mason Wynn's coming, you trade Tommy Edmond. He's your center fielder right now. And <laughs> I think it was Jordan Montgomery that commented, you know, he's a gold glove second baseman. Maybe he'll be a gold glove center fielder this year. I don't think he'll play enough center to end up being that, but he may steal that utility gold glove away from Brendan Donovan. One of the two is going to win that gold glove. I would be shocked if it wasn't, the, because we've seen both of them play some really good defense. Edmond, maybe not as much. Uh, in the early going, but I think he's starting to come into his own no matter where he's been. And Brendan Donovan is just a stud wherever you put him. First base, second base, third base. You can throw him in the corner outfield. It wouldn't shock me if he got some time in center field just because of the way this season has gone for the Cardinals so far. But, I mean, you do trust both of those guys. Those are guys that other teams are going to covet. If you're talking about trading for a an ace starting pitcher, I'd be very curious to see kind of the way that might unfold for the Cardinals um, I personally wouldn't do it. I understand you might have a a little bit of a surplus there in the middle infield, but man, I would be skeptical of of just thinking you can shake up a clubhouse like that if things start turning around and going better for the Cardinals. Which again, right now they're seven back of the Brewers after Milwaukee lost five to two to the Athletics tonight. Thank you, Oakland, is what Cardinals fans have got to be thinking right now. Um, who would have figured they would have been able to come up with that kind of win? Uh, maybe it'll be a, a sign of things to come for the weekend. Who knows? But I, I do just think my overall point with this conversation is the starting rotation is really coming together to where, like, if Adam Wainwright locks it in the way he continues to tell us that he's going to, um, personally, I'm not. it's not that I'm skeptical of it, but I believe that Wainwright is just going to be the guy this year where if his defense is on point and he gets a little bit of luck, he's going to have some of those really vintage Wainwright outings, but he does need to pitch to contact more than he ever has, and that's a rough combination when you consider that this is the year of the pitch clock and of the shift band and, and just the, the, the pressure kind of being tightened a little bit on pitching compared to where it has been and, and the reliance on defense. You're still relying upon the defense if you're Wayno, but they can't always stand in the optimal spot on the infield. And you've got to think about some of those things that have uh, affected him. I think he can still get back to being a legitimate guy for the rotation, um, but it's going to be a harder path than any, than, than any that he's ever faced before, simply because I think the rule changes do have an effect on a guy that pitches to contact. But you're seeing some strikeouts from a generally pitch-to-contact rotation, so good to see Montgomery with the six tonight. I know Flaherty, I think, had eight in his last outing, so you're starting to see some progress on that front, which the Cardinals could certainly use.
Uh, Tommy says, big win for the Cardinals tonight. Walker had a great game. He certainly did. And uh, Janelle coming up with her comment, much needed win. Great way to respond to the Ellen De La Cruz coming to the STL headlines. Uh, Jordan Walker is that dude. Yeah, I mean, in the night where Ellie was certainly getting a lot of the headlines coming into this series based on what he did against the Dodgers and debuting within the last few days and looking just ridiculous. He's a five-tool guy. I know Monty made him look a little silly tonight, and he had three strikeouts in the game. Um, but I think he had was the guy that had the uh, like 100 miles per hour off the bat directly into the ground with like a negative 40 launch angle uh, that kind of popped up toward uh, the shortstop, and there's nothing he could do about it. Uh, reaching base on that one. I think that was De La Cruz. I have to kind of double-check that. But generally, uh, yeah, just a one for four with three Ks night for De La Cruz. Uh, he's he's probably going to get the Cardinals at some point this weekend. But on a night where surely coming into the game, I think he had a little bit more prospect hype and cachet uh, just in terms of recency bias than Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker showed out. And I like what he did on the bases, just taking an extra base, tagging up, doing those little things, scoring from second on a, on a hit that like he was going to score from second on. But just the the way that he does it and the the intent that he has on the bases, I I, I it stood out to me honestly, and I think he he, he can be a, a weapon there and certainly a weapon at the plate for the Cardinals. And by the by the time it's all said and done, he's going to be a weapon in the field too. It's just not going to be this year um, by and large, just because there's there is going to be a learning curve there. But huge game for Walker, play him every day and 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 reap the benefits if you're the Cardinals. Ryan says can't wait for the Albert jersey giveaway tomorrow. Yeah, it is, and I'm not going to be there, but um. I, uh, I'll still be kind of following along, but I'll be over uh, at a parish picnic tomorrow. Um, so no no on-site presence from me, but we'll probably still be able to do uh, a nighttime B-Shave daily or a, or a live stream or something like that on Saturday night. It'll just be hours after the day game. Uh, and then I will be back at Bush on Sunday. But yeah, no Albert jersey for me because I won't be there, but uh, but that's okay. I I don't wear the giveaways anyway, but they're, they're kind of cool and nice to have. Um Chalice Gambino congratulates uh, me on a, a thousand subscribers. Yeah, appreciate that, man. It's been uh, it's been fun. Still kind of waiting on YouTube to uh, to get me going with with the different ads and things like that. If it'll happen, will it happen? Who knows? I'm hopeful that it eventually will. Um, but we'll stay patient for now and just keep rolling along because these uh, these are a lot of fun to do with you guys. But yeah, one thousand subscribers uh, help me along toward eleven hundred. If you're just joining along and you you think yeah, this is kind of interesting. I like Cardinals content. We're pretty much here. I, I call it B shaped daily. I say pretty confidently, barring like a vacation that I'll take in August and some different things, we're here at least five days a week, whether it's a live stream or something that I pre-record by myself uh, without without it being live. You end up getting five, six, some weeks it's been seven uh, podcasts and, and all of them end up on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So if you enjoy this kind of stuff, would love to have you uh, subscribe to this Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer channel on YouTube for daily Cardinals content. And it allows you to be able to chat in the live stream, things like that. So appreciate you guys for being here, and thank you for the uh, the congrats. I appreciate that. Uh, Janelle says, Sports Media said baseball's best prospect was coming to the loo. Jordan Walker said, uh, well, I took that personally, to to quote Michael Jordan from The Last Dance. Very good there. Uh, B. Burke said, anyone else concerned that Goldie can't seem to catch up to the heater anymore? Here's what I'll say about that. My concern level would not be high. Um there have been times, even last year, where Goldie went through stretches that he just seemed like that was a, a kind of a bugaboo for him. Historically, he has always come out of it. It might take a little bit, but historically, he has never lingered on that for for forever. Um, I get that people would look at his age and go, "Wow, he's thirty five. He's going to turn thirty six in September. Could the you know could it just be a sign of slowing down?" I he's one of those guys for me that until I see it for a prolonged stretch. 
I'm not willing to call Paul Goldschmidt done or or, or say there's going to be a deficiency in his game that's just going to stay there. Kind of like with Adam Wainwright, you know, I'm going to give a guy like Goldie the benefit of the doubt. He is in excellent shape. I know he's going through a little bit of a lull right now. I think it's just ebbs and flows of a season. I'm, I'm not worried about age with Goldschmidt to where I've continued to say Cardinals fans are like, well, could they trade him if they're out of it? You know, he's only got one year on the contract after this one. He's getting up there in age. For me, I think he's done enough and, and probably deserves that treatment of like, all right, what kind of contract within reason do you want after this one? Let's make you, re- you know, re- retire a Cardinal and don't bid against yourself to overpay. But I think Goldsmith has been, you know, a solid guy for this team. And uh, I personally would like to see him here until he until he wraps it up. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a Hall of Fame career. He'd have to probably do it for a few more years to to get there. But he has been fantastic in baseball. And I just personally would like to see him around for a little while longer. But, um, no, I, I really wouldn't be concerned about that. But let me know what you think. Uh, that's a question from B. Burke on Goldie. Kind of having a tough time with good fastballs lately. Um, but, again, I think tonight, you know, I don't know how, how good Ben Lively's fastball was. By the way, good to see the Cardinals just get to Ben Lively. Uh, a few weeks ago, they faced him. It was that first day after the May 23rd game where they scored more than five runs, and, and then they hadn't done it since. Uh, that was Ben Lively that did well against the Cardinals. Six innings, two runs, and that was, I think, the first time they really saw him in a starter's capacity. And so he, he gets that situation going, and then you see him a few weeks later and think, can the Cardinals make the adjustment? The answer was yes. Granted, the way that it came, like Arnado's home run, I called it, it, it was 89 miles per hour. I can't even call it a fastball. It was like an 89 straight ball, just right there at the top of the zone. Arenado on a 3-0 count. That's the, not a pitch to throw him. You can't get me over against Nolan Arenado if you if you put it in his wheelhouse. It's like you got the googly eyes and said, oh, baby, feasted on that pitch. So I don't know if it was just a matter of Lively making a couple of mistakes or whatever it was, but the Cardinals had enough guys that were able to, to do damage against him. I was kind of surprised he stayed in the game as long as he did. He ended up leaving after hitting Wilson Contreras with that pitch, and I, I was thinking Wilson and him might have been get, coming to blows at one point. Ollie was out there to check on him, but then he kind of quickly realized that he was fine. The hand, you know, and I, I got to see Wilson's hand up close after the game. I don't think there's really going to be any residual from that. It didn't look like swollen or anything like that. Uh, so he was able to stay in the game, obviously caught uh, the remainder of the game. And if I'm using, I'm, I'm bad with mirrors. I think that's the version of, if there's a version of dyslexia where you like cannot think of a mirror image, I have to almost like turn my body to picture, uh, I got the photographic memory, but I also, if it if he's facing me, I'm going, is that his left hand or his right? I think the way it was, was his left hand, right? You have to go back and look at the replays of it. Um, but, you know, caught the rest of the game and, and was fine with that. But he was kind of barking at Ben Lively, and Lively was giving it back to him a little bit. And I wonder if it stemmed. Basically, Contreras was not willing to talk about it. He was kind of, hey, it's part of the game. Uh, you know, I, there was a, he said there was a reason for what I was doing. There was a reason for some of the stuff I was saying, but I don't want to get into it. He was basically wanting to let everybody know, yes, it was what you thought it was. I did have a reason for it. I'm not going to make that reason public to, to, to extend this any further. Ultimately, it's part of the game, and you kind of have those bickering moments uh, maybe with an opposing player. But I wonder if it was in part at all just because of the play that had happened previously with, uh, I forget which inning it was, but it was important to end it. It might have been the seventh. And it, I could be wrong about this, and if I am, it's because uh, you know it ends up being a completely non-issue that it would have been related to the other thing. But Contreras, I think it was maybe the top of that inning when Contreras had thrown out a runner at second to end the inning. 
And uh, I guess I could pull up the summary here, but you you guys know what happens when I go off book. Um, a lot of times we we end up with issues. But uh, looking here, and where's where's Wilson Contreras ends an inning because that's what we need. Yep, Wilson ending the top of the seventh with the uh, the caught stealing, and I I wonder if the celebration that he gave was maybe something that upset Reds Reds players a little bit. Because Contreras was all about, you know, pumping the fist and beating the chest after the uh, the runner thrown out to end that inning, which was there in the top of the seventh. Could have been a worse situation for the Cardinals had he not done that um, to, to prematurely end the inning. And they leave a runner stranded on third. Obviously, it was first and third at the time. Uh, so tying run was at the plate and you end up having that to end an inning. Um, but they challenge it. And I asked Wilson, I said, you talk about, you know, getting to show your emotions on that. He was excited to be able to do that because it, he feeds off that. And the team does as well. But I said, did you have to celebrate again after the the confirmation on replay? And he said, well, yeah, a little bit. And he said he was, a, there were some nervous moments there because he was pretty sure he got him. And he asked Donnie if he got him. He said, yeah, I got the tag down. Throw was a little higher than he meant to have it, but uh, did the whole bit with the celebration. And then when the challenge comes, you could see it in his face when he was describing it, where he's like, yeah, I was a little bit nervous till I saw that replay. But uh, once he saw that, he knew, oh, yeah, he got him, and it was all good there. But I wonder if the Reds maybe had some reaction to that, and then he gets hit by the pitch. You know, does Wilson internalize thinking, oh, you threw up and in on me because of me kind of showing some emotion before, or was it just one that kind of got away? He said there was a reason, didn't go into it further, um, but I kind of thought that was – was some interesting stuff there. Um, but anyway, I don't even know how I got started talking about Wilson, but it was relevant, I'm sure, at one point or another. Uh, so there you have it. Um, Janelle just said of Goldie, he's in the seasonal hitting slump and he'll work himself out of it. That's kind of the way I view it as well. Uh, question says, Brendan, what's your thoughts on how the team looked tonight in the dugout versus the last couple of weeks? Uh, they look a little more alive and more like a team to you. I mean, here's the thing. I, to, to peer over from my seat in the press box, I wasn't watching the broadcast. Sometimes I have it pulled up. Tonight I didn't. And so it's not like I was, you know, trying to 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 play arbiter over what they what their energy in the club in the clubhouse or the dugout, I should say, was. Um, but you know, they scored seven runs. They seem to be having more fun in post game. They were all kind of happy go lucky in the post game uh clubhouse as well. So I think with some of the things that we see, and I haven't gotten a chance to talk about this on the live stream yet. I've talked about it on B Shape Daily, but it was first the uh, home run by Walker the other day when they were coming back. They were down 6-4 to four in Texas at that point, but you saw the gift probably of it was only Andrew Kisner kind of banging the railing and getting people hyped up. You had Michaelis and, and uh, Arenado clapping a little bit too, but there was not a lot of action from that. You think, man, that's Jordan Walker hit a moonshot. Okay, we don't get a lot of context. We only see that little split second that they showed on the broadcast. But did I think it was notable? At least enough to talk about. And so I, I talked about it on B-Shape Daily. The next day, you have a win, one nothing in Texas, and then it's shown on the broadcast kind of the, the handshake line after the fact just didn't look very lively, right? It looks like you won a game, and you just kind of still look like a funeral procession. Like I said, they're lining up for the firing squad. And maybe that was just a little tongue-in-cheek, being a little sarcastic as I'm prone to do if you know me. But it was notable enough to me to mention it again. So we talked about it yesterday on B-Shape Daily. And I had a buddy, actually, who's a Royals fan. He's not a Cardinals fan, not a Rangers fan, but he lives in the Dallas area and was at the game. And I had him take a couple of pictures for me. Uh, the, the podcast from yesterday, he he took the cover photo uh, because I was like, hey, I, I could use it. I'm not obviously in Texas, and you are. So if there's anything interesting. And so he was trying to get a shot for me of the handshake line. 
And he even remarked to me, yeah, I even kind of noticed I was waiting for them to celebrate and they never really did anything. I, I think I saw a video from another angle that a fan sent me that one group of, it was like two middle infielders did a chest bump and that was about it. And everybody else just kind of looked like, yeah, kind of bored, just waiting for this uh, handshake thing to be over so I can go home. Granted, it was the last game of a six-game road trip, and they lost every game except for that one. It was almost like a team-wide sigh of relief, you could argue, was was uh, the mentality from that. So I, I don't think it's a huge deal or a huge thing to spend a lot of time on. We've probably spent more time on it over the last three days than we've needed to, but it's just kind of one of those where you, you do notice it. Tonight, I think there's no issue at all. When you win, when you're scoring, when it's going well, the, the clubhouse and the, the, the demeanor of the team is never going to be a problem. It was just a little bit weird Wednesday when they did win, and it was still kind of like, meh. But we have to remember, that's only a snapshot. You see just one little part of it. You don't get to see how they act on uh, get back in the clubhouse, the flight home. It's just like, I think that was one of those where, you know what, you might end a, a day at work on a Friday at 5 o'clock and be like, man, this was a long week at work. Even if you have a win and you close a deal at the end of the week, maybe you're not necessarily just jumping out of your seat because of it. Maybe you're just happy to be done with that week. And I think that's a little bit what it was with the Cardinals in that road trip. Um, even to win the game, they, they didn't seem too excited about it. I think it's more about eh, what they had just been through. So not anything long-term that I think Cardinals fans have reason to be concerned about. Did I see anything tonight? No, but I, I think you can have a, a pretty good belief that it was was all good to go in terms of those sorts of things. And the more they win, the more that will be the case. Uh, Slim Hot Pockets had already liked the stream before your candy ass could mention it. Uh, yep, that was the, the candy ass comment on Twitter will live in infamy, I think. Uh, Labor says, so back to six, needing to score six to win. I think that never changed. I mean, winning, scoring six is really going to be a, a way to guarantee a win or at least feel better about your chances. Um, but granted, they did win one nothing on Wednesday. That was probably the most uncharacteristic Cardinal win of the season based on the way they've played. And maybe that's why you got the reaction you did from the team where it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we did this, but I'm just glad it's over with. Yeah, they're going to need to score labor in order to win games. That's kind of the way I look at it. And uh, the good news is if the starting rotation could kind of level it out, maybe that six gets trimmed down to like a five, four and a half to five, where a lot of four run games can get them wins. But tonight, because of the bullpen, it wouldn't have happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, we could talk about the bullpen. I, I said we would. I'm sure questions are coming about it, but just real quick, you know, Jordan Hicks was bad tonight, but he had been infallible for the last month. Hadn't given up a run since I believe May 8th prior to this one and uh, had no command. Didn't look good. Probably should have been pulled one batter earlier than he was. The last batter uh, was a, a left-handed pinch hitter. And I, I think most of the pitches were at least the last two were just like in the right-handed batter's box. just not even remotely close. And we were kind of wondering in the press box, like, yeah, this would be a spot for Plante. You've got him ready. They just called upon a lefty pinch hitter. Didn't use him. Brought him in after that, and they were able to limit the damage. But just one of those one of those days for Hicks. And could Dolly Marmol have used his telepathy to know that Hicks, for the first time in a month, would be bad? No, that's not realistic. Cardinals fans, if you're harping on Ollie for going to Hicks in the first place, I get maybe saying pull him a batter earlier than you did. But if you're saying, oh, he shouldn't have gone to him in the first place, don't agree with that. He's been one of their best relievers, especially over the past month. He's been as good as anybody in that bullpen. And then I think the other part of it is, should Montgomery have stayed in the game? Up to 97 pitches, you know, had had labored a little bit early, but then really settled in, only three hits and one walk allowed. And so it was kind of a thing that after the bullpen had given it up, the, the tweets start pulling, pouring in. It wasn't before that. It wasn't before Hicks started struggling or Stratton struggled a couple innings later. 
which I do want to take a quick moment to just mention Gorman's home run, really indicative of the kinds of things the Cardinals have not been doing, right? When they lost that game in Pittsburgh, didn't get the run support later on that they needed. This time, you were allowed to have a Stratton outing go go south on you because Gorman gave you that insurance. I thought that was super important and something I wanted to make sure to, to bring up, just if only brief, briefly. I don't have a ton to say about it, but it certainly was nice to see. But when it comes to the bullpen, yeah, I mean, Hicks struggled, Stratton struggled. I was getting the tweets after that happened. I wasn't getting the tweets right at, right in the moment of, wow, why are they pulling Montgomery now? You know, it's kind of easy to play that kind of hindsight 2020, the Monday morning quarterback, the Monday morning bullpen coach, whatever you want to say, uh, manager, and say, oh, they should have left Montgomery in. I asked Montgomery about it. Ollie didn't get asked about it, and I don't think he needed to be. Like, I just, I feel like this one's pretty cut and dried, especially when I thought to ask Monty about it, and here's what he said. He said, well, you know, it was up over 100 pitches, I think, so it was probably the right call. He wasn't even at 100 pitches, but when the pitcher thinks that based on the way the game went, he was probably over 100 pitches and feels like he understands the move, it's probably the right move, right? So I, I don't really think there's anything to go with on that. Um, from the horse's mouth himself, like if the pitcher, if he would have said, oh, yeah, I was at 90-something pitches, I thought I could go a little bit. He said, oh, I was probably over 100. He didn't even know the number, which why should he need to? It's not necessarily uh, all that important in the mind of a pitcher. You just kind of know how you feel, and then maybe you look that stuff up later in, in reflecting upon the game. But if Monty thinks he was over 100 and says it's the right call when he was really only at 97, probably was the right call to go ahead and move on to a fresh arm after the off day yesterday when Hicks hasn't really pitched a lot recently anyway. Um, thought it was the right move. You had a bad day if you're Hicks. It's not, you know, it happens. Fortunately, the offense came through and Gorman able to supply a little insurance. The other part about that Gorman home run that's great, he looked pretty rough before that one. He was over three with three strikeouts. I had said, yeah, not a bad day at the, or it was a bad day at, at the office for Gorman until he homers and fixes it with one swing. He's got the ability to do that. Uh, he's really made strides this year and uh, voted him to be an all-star because I want to be right. Said he would be. Still think he's got a pretty good chance to be. Uh, Will says, good win. That's it. Not overly optimistic. Not a stick in the mud. Yeah, just kind of, it's, it's a start, right? They've got two in a row now. Kind of see if you can build on that momentum. If they could sweep the Reds out of Bush this weekend, you kind of start to move back toward where you need to be. Uh, it's going to take those kinds of series, right? Like for every series you don't win as the Cardinals, you're probably going to have to pick up a sweep at some point to counteract it. Uh, you got to win most every series that you play, but the sweeps are going to be the thing that can change that more quickly, get back toward 500, where they had really climbed that hill. They were getting closer, and then they kind of fell back down with the road trip that they just had, with uh, even going back to the, the Royals series and, and Cleveland not being able to, to win that series. There's a lot that's going to happen that they just haven't been able to take advantage. Uh, playing at home, I think, is going to be the key to all of this. If they can end up with a with a really positive winning percentage at home, where you're in front of your fans who are going to probably support you all summer, even though the, the the thing hasn't gone so well recently. I think that's going to be the key to all of it. And uh, tonight, decent start for that. Uh, we're only at 19 likes, guys. Really would appreciate a few more likes because I, I don't want to just stop at 20, but let's get to 21st. And we'll talk about uh, where we could go after that. But let's get 25-30 and uh, see what happens. Alex asking if Everyday Dylan is back. I'm going to say tentatively that he is, but only because the, the report on Newt Bar is that he still is going to need more time. I am preparing mentally for if Dylan doesn't get it going offensively, then to kind of put him back to a bench role because Walker's got to be here in play, guys. And uh, unless you get into a spot where his defense is costing you so much and he's not really hitting, which right now he is hitting, so that's not a problem. I could see a defensive alignment of Edmund, Newt Bar, Carlson being about as good as the Cardinals could run out there. Um, 
Edmonds just such a good baseball player. You, you cannot trade Tommy Edmond. The more I look at it, like he does a nice job offensively. He can play everywhere. The versatility is so valuable. And he's genuinely one of the Cardinals' top defensive outfielders right now, despite not really playing much of that position at the big leagues uh, or even through the minors. So uh, he's he does a really nice job, but that kind of does jeopardize the everyday Dylan because if you compare the defensive acumen of both those players in center and say, well, Dylan might be a little better, but Tommy's done a nice job to where we're not even thinking about taking him out of the role right now, even with Dylan in the lineup is all he did tonight. And he's going to probably offer more at the bat uh, with with where Edmund and, and Carlson are. Carlson reached base twice tonight. He put the ball in play. I, I still think there's hope for him to be a good offensive player. Um, I'm worried that if, if Newpark comes back within the next week or two, Dylan may not have the runway to be able to show, like, hey, I should be in there every day. Uh, it's a good problem to have. I, I could see a situation where Dylan ends up on the trade block, to be honest with you, especially if he shows well and kind of rebuilds some of that value and the Cardinals look at it and go, well, if we can actually get something really good for him, like if he could be the centerpiece from a position player side to get a to get a Dylan Cease or an ace starting pitcher somewhere, um, it's not something that I would necessarily be a fan of because I, I really like Dylan and think he can, can thrive, but I also understand where the Cardinals are at and that they may need to try and trade for an ace if such a player becomes available and, and available to them with the pieces that they're willing to move. Um, but I, I just think right now, Alex, yeah, he's going to play. But the fact that he wasn't in center field kind of tells me that maybe he's not as high in the pecking order as I thought, which is not a knock on Tommy. I just was kind of surprised to see it. Bieberk was fine with pulling Monty. If he's more efficient, then he gets to go out for the seventh, close to 100 pitches after six. And yeah, again, he thought he was over 100. And so he wasn't worried about it at all. So I don't think Cardinals fans should be either. Uh, Will wants to say, Newton O'Neill rehab, come back healthy. I know you feel Carlson should play daily, but what would you do? What do you think the Cardinals will do with the others' corresponding moves? Well, they'll trade Tyler O'Neill. be honest with you, he's not long for this team uh, unless just something drastically changes. That's just the vibe I'm getting. Um, I'd be surprised if we see O'Neill very soon. Uh, Newt Barr, I, I think, will be back before O'Neill, even though you didn't get a great report on Newt today in terms of just kind of still feeling some discomfort and can't really ramp up until he's pain-free. I, I just would be surprised if we see O'Neill all that soon. Like there's, there's no timeline guys. There's no timetable. They've, they've stopped baseball activities and said, yeah, we don't really know. Guess we'll see when we see. They're not like investigating it either. It's not like they're, they're anxious about when we're going to, when we're going to see Tyler back. They're not really feeling that. And so O'Neill for a reliever feels like, a, a definite possibility in July. If you've got a team that says, ah, you know, we've got a really good reliever, but he's a short-term asset. And maybe this Tyler O'Neill could fit in our outfield next year. And I mean, the potential is tantalizing. So I do think there would be some interest from the league, as long as there's not a high ask, which like a rental or a, or a two year relief guy that's pitching. Well, I, I think the chance to have an everyday gold glove left fielder, there are teams out there that would bite on that. The Cardinals might just be in a spot where like you mentioned, will they've got so many outfielders, it's a, it's a tough deal. The other thing about that is, though, if O'Neill does come back and, and kind of reestablish his uh, his kind of position in that pecking order, which is possible, he's got the talent to do it, um, Dylan Carlson could be a guy they move. Dylan Carlson, I think, would have more trade value for sure, especially if he's playing decently, uh, because he's got so many years of control left. I think like four or so left, and O'Neill is done, uh, I should say done, free agent eligible after next season, and Carlson's got several more before that's the case. And so I think Carlson could be a guy that they would look to move. I would just say that like a guy that's team controlled and he's still, you know, team friendly in terms of the contract annually, 
It's a little bit risky to get into that territory unless you know you're set with your outfield. But I think they do trust in what Newt Bar can be for the next five years. I think they do trust in what Jordan Walker is going to be. And so you kind of can figure out the other spot from there. But I would say the Edmund emergence in the outfield as a potential legit option um, could kind of take the Cardinals out of that that area where they're looking to add a bat at the deadline from the outfield. They weren't going to anyway, but I'll feel less compelled to talk about it because I, I mean, if you do have that many options in the outfield and they start to play better, like if Walker starts to hit, if Newpar gets back, if Carlson's playing well, maybe there's just not an obvious place to put a guy. I've already said, if they were to trade for somebody, they'd have to be a bonafide stud in the outfield. And those guys maybe don't come available on the market anyway. And so it ends up being a moot point, but uh, that's kind of how I feel, Will. Yes, Carlson should play every day, and I'm glad he gets a chance to do so probably right now. You know, Yepes was options for Carlson. That's the right move. Yepes just, eh, he's probably not that long for this this team either, uh, just based on they've got several guys that they want to put into the DH spot. You know, Luke and Baker it, it survived the roster over uh, what you saw with Yepes. So they've got those situations, and I just don't think defensively they can, they you can't play him in the outfield. I know that he's worked on it. You just can't. You've got too many options. It can be too harmful to do it. Um, and he wasn't hitting either. 214 average, 660 OPS. It, the, the juice was not worth the squeeze. And so they, he's kind of stuck between AAA and the bigs. And uh, it's a tough place for a young player to be. I, I really hope Juan Yepes could get it going. But it may just not be with the Cardinals. And, and I think he could have a little bit of trade value. I'm not sure it's a ton. Um, but it, I think the best thing for him almost would be, if you're just talking about from Yepes's point of view, man, it would probably be to get a trade somewhere where he could play every day because he could absolutely be the next kind of, you know, Adolis Garcia, Patrick Wisdom guy that, yeah, there's not really a role here, but the bat plays maybe if he gets into a rhythm. Would that mean that Mo made a big mistake if he trades him? No, not necessarily. I just don't think realistically you can look at who you have and say, yeah, Yepi needs to be in above all these guys. I, I just don't know if it works at this point in time. So, that's where I am on all that, Will. I, I hope I answered the question the way you were looking to, to have it done. Uh, Asher says, can't score on anything other than a home run. It's a major team problem, not a winning team. Uh, yeah, you'd like to see some more rallies, but I don't think it's a problem to, to score on homers because when the homers are flying, it can be a lot of fun. I agree, though. You do need to be able to spark rallies a little more appropriately. They did have a little stretch in tonight's game where they did that. I forget which inning it was, but it was a, a keep-the-line-moving kind of inning. Uh, come on. I, I get you want to complain about the offense, but I don't think tonight's the night to do it. Uh, seven runs. By the way, I predicted on the big show a 7-4 win, so I felt really smart. And you guys know I like feeling smart. Um, Allison had asked if anyone was worried about Goldschmidt. I already talked about that, but uh, but no, I would say I'm not. Maybe others are. Laborer says Benson gave the cards a hand with his decision to try and steal. It was either him making a bad decision or the coaching thinking it was a good idea. Yeah, I mean, again, you had the tying run at the plate. That run at second, is it matters because it's not like it's the ninth inning or anything, but you you need them all at that point, and so don't take the bat out of anybody's hands when you've got a guy 90 feet away. Wild pitch can end up you know, getting you another run, and you're closer at that point. So, Labor, I agree with that assessment for sure. Um, and It was very funny to watch Contreras talk about, yeah, I had really celebrated the heck out of that one. Glad it ended up going my way. Will asks if Walker's Rookie of the Year chances were ruined by the send-down. No, not at all. Nope. I mean, people were talking about the odds for Ellie's, like the, the betting odds to, to have Ellie De La Cruz of the Reds be Rookie of the Year. He just came up like three days ago. So, no, Walker, if he plays every day, he'll have plenty of, I think, plenty of juice to be able to get that award if his his, his numbers were there, which, uh, again, 
760 some odd OPS. It's qu- funny how quick it happens. He could go on like a five for eight terror over the next couple of days. And next thing you know, he's leading, you know, a front runner for rookie of the year if those numbers hold. So uh, I, I think he'll definitely have a shot if he continues to play. And despite the fact that he was gone for a month. Uh, M. Gill says Cards need to stop yanking starters early. If a pitching is shut out, they keep overexposing the bullpen. Would have kept Monty in at least seven. Uh, again, I just flat out disagree. Uh, before I talked to Montgomery about it, I thought, eh, could have gone either way. And I was only hearing complaints after you saw the bullpen not doing well. Six innings is a fine number for a starter. If everybody goes six all year, that's not overexposing the bullpen. Um, even when the Cardinals were struggling with that and, and getting starters deep, they're averaging about 5.25, like uh, not even quite five and a third innings pitched per outing by their starters. They were still in like the top 12 in MLB with that average. I know it sounds shocking, but that's the nature of the game anymore. No, I just firmly disagree that they needed Monty to go seven. Okay, guys, he was at 100 pitches. He's three away from 100. You're going to have a 13-pitch inning. 110 is about where you're going to cap it, I think. And he himself said he thought he was over 100, so wasn't surprised and thought it was the right decision. If the starter's saying that, I'm not going to be able to listen to the comments and say that, yeah, there's some legitimacy to it. No, I think it was the right move, and uh, that's that's regardless of what Hicks may come in and do. And you expect him to come in and do well because it's what he's done all year. So, Well, not all year, but for the last month. Uh, had a bad day. Those happen. Um, who sings that song, Had a Bad Day? You know what I'm talking about. Early 2000s. It'll come to me. Uh, Slim Hot Pocket says it'd be a lot, take a lot more to raise any concern about Goldie for him. One of the most consistent players the Cardinals have. I, I could not have said it better myself. I agree with that. Uh, Laborer claims this was not a good overall team game for the Cardinals. They got runs, but the bullpen gave up four and three innings of work. No, it was a good team game. The bullpen was was bad, um, but Gio coming in, Gallegos with the inning in the third to save it. You know, if your bullpen gives up four, four runs and three innings every day, you're going to lose a lot of games. But it's still a good team game because 60 to 70% of the team, talking about the starting pitching in the offense, absolutely did its job. So, I, I mean, come on, guys. There's nothing to complain about tonight. Be upset, be a little bit nervous about the bullpen because, again, Stratton had been decent, and now we're seeing two outings in a row from him, uh, the one where he loaded the bases and needed the double play to get out of it this a uh, few days ago in Texas, and then this one was a bad one for Stratton. But, uh, no, I'm not going to say it was a bad team game. Uh, I think it was two-thirds of the aspects. If you talk about starting bullpen offense as being kind of the, the main factors here, there's base running, there's defense, but typically, um, you know, and defense was great tonight as well. DeYoung had several good plays. Uh, Edmund Carlson had a really good one running toward the right field corner. So, no, I would say it was, it was a good team game in my opinion. What's up, Corn? Bullpen tried to keep up down, but no. Yep, bullpen was a little bit shaky, but, uh, you know, it happens. I wouldn't be too worried about it, especially when you get the win. All homers mean we're going to be hot and cold, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, all homers, but again, they, they did have a little bit of a rally going there. I, I wish I could remember what inning it was. Um, it must have been the fourth when they scored that solo run because Arenado in the first, I think Walker's was in the second, and then the seventh was Corman. So, yeah, they did it once. I mean, if you score in four separate innings, I don't care if it's on three home runs. You've done a nice job. Um, especially in that ballpark. And uh, the the catch by Edmund, by the way, reminds me, talking about the ballpark, reminded me of this. His catch that was up against the center field wall, I saw a comment on Twitter that was like, well, enjoy seeing the wooded dong on that one because that was bases loaded, would have been a grand slam. 
we definitely would have been talking about a different game. So, again, if you're a little upset about the bullpen, I get it. Be nervous about next time, but enjoy the win, guys. You, you haven't seen that many of them this year. Um, Janelle says, Goldie hits a slump with this hitting every season. Always works himself through. He'll be fine. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, hot red team, hot reds team, not in June. They're three and six this month. Um, I don't remember when I called them hot. If I did during this show, I don't think I did. I, I have over the last couple of days just because they were looking like compelling against the, the Dodgers. Maybe compelling is a better way to frame it because they had a walk off and Ellie was doing his Ellie stuff. Um, but yeah, they're, they're beatable. They, you probably need to sweep them at this point. You got Michaelis going against a, a lefty that I've never heard of before tomorrow. So that's a little scary. Uh, because anytime that happens, a lefty you've never heard of, for whatever reason, the Cardinals can't get him. I say they score double-digit runs tomorrow. They're gonna they're gonna absolutely tee off on this guy because he's a lefty, and that is what they do. Uh, Goldie's probably going yard. Arenado probably does again. Uh, look for the righties in the lineup tomorrow to have have a feast. Luke and Baker may go yard. Jeff Jones, that's Jeff Jones's guy. I think Luke and going yard is an actually uh, interesting concept tomorrow. He should be in the lineup. Uh, when you're facing a lefty. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, Reds, not that hot. A little bit scary with thinking they could beat up on the Dodgers like they were a little bit. Uh, but De La Cruz was neutralized today. So that was one of the things that I think you were worried about coming in. And so far, so good. Corn missed most of the game because he was golfing. Broke 100 for the first time this year, not to brag. Corn, I've only played golf once this year, and it was in a scramble but I've been going to the driving range. I want to get better. So anybody in the St. Louis area wants to take me golfing, I'll take you up on that because I, I really, I'm not good enough yet to be able to be good, but I'm, I don't look it, but I'm pretty athletic. I can handle myself. I just need some practice to be able to get it going. It's fun though, dude, when you're starting to hit the ball good, it is really fun. Uh, so I want to play some more. So somebody invite me to play some golf. <laughs> the grave of Einstein says, glad to see the good fundamentals today. I think that's so key too. Uh, this team has been having some weird base running at times, some weird defense at times. Those two things were on lock today. And, uh, you, you add good starting pitching and, and some, some powerful offense to that. You're going to win a lot of games. That's kind of the way it looks for the Cardinals for me right now. And, uh, that's a great point to, uh, to mention Jeff Passon said Goldie could get traded. I'm sure he did. Lots of people have said it. It's not happening. Uh, I shouldn't say it's not happening. I just don't see it. And I don't advocate for it. Um, all those national writers are doing is reading the tea leaves of, well, Cardinals are kind of sucking. If they stay sucking, it would make sense. But he didn't get that from the Cardinals. I'll tell you that. Like, nobody with the Cardinals told him that. Um, I shouldn't say who Jeff's passing sources are. I don't know him. I don't have him the way he does. But I would be surprised to learn that the Cardinals are leaking stuff out like that. It just doesn't really. It's not how they operate. Um, it, speculation from other executives saying, yeah, the Cardinals could maybe trade Goldschmidt it sometimes benefits those executives to put that out there, right? So uh, the, the, it's playing the game. Jeff Passan is as reliable as it gets when it comes to reporting on the national level. Um, so this is not a knock on him. I just, yeah, anybody can say that he could get traded, and I'm sure it's well-sourced from him. I just don't think it's very likely, and it's frankly not something the Cardinals should do, in my opinion. Asher still wants to know why they only score off homers. Talk about pitching philosophy a lot. Um, is that the turn award hitting philosophy, just trying to hit homers? No, but man, that's the way it works in baseball is launch angle and exit velo now. And those produce runs. So, um, I, again, I, I just don't think tonight's a night to knock it. They did score a run tonight on a non homer. Would you feel better about it? If instead of hitting the ball over the wall, it goes off the top of the wall for a double, like damage is good. So scoring off a of homers is not a bad thing. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it because it's, it's a good thing. 
Um, to be able to sustain rallies with other means is beneficial, but let's talk about that on a day where they failed to do so. Today, they, they scored in four different innings, one of which was not on a homer. I'd say that's good enough. Um, Grand Slam Scotty says, morning, Brennan. Hope you're well. I am, my friend. Uh, appreciate you for hopping on with me. Einstein says, hilarious live seeing the 292 ERA for Lively on the bullpen screen for Nato's homer and then seeing the 3-5 ERA on the same screen for Walker's homer. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't pitched a ton, and he got to the Cardinals a little bit uh, the first time with the six innings, two runs. But today, man, they got to him, and that's what needed to happen. Uh, Good to see. Tommy says Wilson helps out in the seventh. Yeah, man, throwing out that runner at second was huge. And the Reds, like another commenter had mentioned, really gave him a gift, gave the Cardinals a gift by allowing that to happen. I don't know if he was going on his own, going rogue. I can't imagine that gets called from the bench. Like, what... What are you calling for in that situation to, against a guy like Contreras that throws throws it well? It's one of the things that he there's never been a question about his arm behind the plate. Um, yep, that was a blunder by the Reds, man. That game could have gone totally differently on that play if it, if they get a chance to finish that AB. Who knows, man? They were kind of vibing there a little bit. Corn uh, says that Gorman might have the best looking home run swing I've ever seen. Maybe Cardinals bias, but man, it's pretty. Aren't lefty swings always better? I was always a lefty. I was switch hitter a little bit, but. Lefty swings, man, they're pretty. And uh, Gorman's got a pretty one. Struck out three times, but he he sent one a long way to right, and that was it was nice to see. Uh, yeah, he does have a great swing. Uh, Einstein adds, great victory. We'll use the momentum to move forward tomorrow and get a good win streak going. And we face a lefty in his second MOB game tomorrow. But he's a lefty. He's a lefty. Don't worry about them not having seen him before. He's a lefty, and Cardinals should kill lefties based on their lineup. Um, I think they're going to do fine. I really do. I predict a win tomorrow. Uh, Michaelis going, give me, I said 10 runs earlier today. I called my shot on the big show seven, four and nailed it. Cause I'm like a savant. Uh, not really. I'm going to go eight, three tomorrow. Michaelis goes like seven and two. And maybe you throw out whoever your lesser bullpen arm is. And he coughs up a solo job or something. I'm on eight, two. I think the Cardinals are about to get it going. Uh, Homer of the century to say that I don't try to sound that way. I just tell you what I think, and uh, so far this season, I've probably been more optimistic on the Cardinals than people would, because like I've been a cynic in the past, but this year I just feel like a lot of the angst is legit, but there's still time to come out of it, and so yeah, they got to start doing it now. But I'm I'll predict it tomorrow that they get another win. I think they should beat up on the lefty. Sue me. I think they should. Um, second MLB game though does scare you. Allison says, I am missing Nude. I think there was something special about him and his energy in the dugout. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's still there. I saw him tonight, but um, I think that's fair. When you're not in the action, it's hard to be that guy, and you got to sort back, so you're not jumping around and, you know, being wild. Uh, Einstein says, don't mind Tommy in center because his defensive stats in center are phenomenal, and uh, his defensive stats in the middle infield suck right now. I don't like defensive stats. Can I be honest? Defensive metrics, especially when you only have such a small sample. Over a career, valuable. Over a season, valuable. But Edmund is getting moved around so much, I just, I think he's legit in the middle infield as well. But I hear you. That's fair. Um, but then DeYoung's spot in the roster would get replaced by Burles and Mercado, who are arguably worse overall ballplayers. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody is claiming that you're going to cut Paul DeYoung right now if Tommy starts playing shortstop again. Like, DeYoung could be a bench shortstop, although he had a base hit tonight. Uh, did he go on base multiple times? No, it was just the one hit, which I like had like a vision. He's about to hit one through the hole in the left side, and he did like right on that same pitch. But um, 
yeah, DeYoung's not going anywhere for right now, and I don't think he probably ultimately will. Um, Long term, no, because his contract's up. They have an option for next year, but it's like, like silly expensive. So I don't think they're probably going to end up, you know, picking that up unless he really goes nuts, like you mentioned. But no, I think I, I do think Tommy should get to play shortstop every once in a while. But uh, but I get it. It's all good. The young the young being good would be good for the team. So that's cool. Uh, M Gill says the Cards aren't celebrating because they know what they have to do to get out of this hole. They're being businesslike, and once they get near 500, they'll be more lively. I agree with that. I mean, if they win seven in a row, you're going to see a lively bunch. And seven in a row would get them closer to 500. So I think that's fair. Still wish Hicks invested more in the changeup to help deal with lefties, although he toyed with the idea early in the season, uh, and that's when he was terrible. So maybe there's not much to that. Yeah, today it was just no fastball command for Hicks, and those nights happened. Ethan says, Walker told Ellie, hold my beer. Yeah, he kind of did, didn't he? Uh, appreciate you guys. We're about at an hour right now uh, of of the official podcast. I know the stream's been going for longer, but I took a few minutes to get on here. Um, going to go like 10 more minutes, so I'm going to try to race through these comments, make sure we touch everybody, but uh, we'll try to get out of here uh, so I can at least uh, get to bed at a decent time. Uh, Janelle says, uh, reason I asked if he noticed anything is because I don't know if anyone saw it in the first inning. No one go over to Walker, give him a scouting report. More discussion and fire in them. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you like to see. Uh, general atmosphere among the team did seem more locked in and focused. Yeah, but is it like the chicken or the egg? Does it feel that way because they're winning and they're they're doing well, or is it because we're just not as heavily scrutinizing it because it's not a loss? Like I I hear you, but uh, it's good to see it, if nothing else. Ellie is a bit like O'Neill Cruz for the Pirates, where he's going to put up some easy Statcast Twitter feed, but overall is going to be kind of all right. Three case tonight is a big part of why. Yeah, his strikeout rate is huge. Um, but I still think he's going to be better than Cruz, more consistent than Cruz. But we'll see. He could be a very, he could be a carbon copy, which wouldn't be the worst thing for the Reds. He's a solid player, uh, but Cruz is not healthy. He's got to get back for the Pirates. Ethan wants to sell high on DeYoung. I'm telling you, the moment's already passed if you were going to do that, and the moment was never really there. Like, nobody wanted him in the offseason. He's proven that, he's, that he can play a little bit. Uh, I just don't think it's a thing that you do. I think you also uh, recognize that Tommy Evans playing outfield for you right now, and if you didn't have that, you're probably playing more Burleson, more Mercado, and those guys have struggled. So I think it's fine to have it the way they have it, uh, to be totally honest. What do you think influenced Stratton over Palante? Well, Palante had pitched a little bit already in that game, and uh, it was Stratton's turn, I think is all it was, fandom. Um, you know, you could have kept him in longer, but maybe they want to try to preserve Palante because he's a valuable guy to have. If you can keep him from throwing multiple innings so that he can be available the next night, I think that's almost beneficial because of the style that he pitches. He's the guy that you go to when there's a lefty up and you need a double play ball. Like, it's it's basically uh, the, the rule book says this situation comes up. If Palante's available, he's coming in. And so they like having that guy available, I think, so they didn't want to extend him. That's probably all it was. And, uh, again, Stratton is part of this bullpen, so they're going to use everybody. And it wasn't a close game either at that point. So you figured Stratton could probably give you a couple to get you to the ninth. And uh, yeah, it didn't work out that way. You kind of don't notice it walking the uh, war leader board or walking, but the war leader on the Cardinals this year is Goldie. Highest uh, way to runs created plus and all that nerd shit. Still having a great year. Yeah, he is. And uh, we've got a hashtag everyday Baker. Fandom says Loki forgot Lucan was up. Uh, yeah, he is. He, he survived the cut down when it was uh, Yepi that went down today instead. Rookie of the year race won't matter. I'm 90% sure Carroll has it. Too early to call it, though. Yeah, Corbin Carroll is a dog, and uh, I was just checking my one of my fantasy teams. Uh, I've got Carroll and Ellie on the same fantasy team, and it's a, a keeper league. 
where like their salaries on my team are like nothing basically. So I'll have them both for the next three, four, five years. Um, yeah, Corbin Carroll is seven for his last ten with seven RBIs, five runs scored the last two days with three home runs. He's he he's got seventeen. Well, now wait a minute, that's including last year. Let me see how many homers he has this year. Sorry, I'm not showing this on the screen, but um, I just wanted to kind of quick quickly check it out. He's up to 11 homers. He's OPSing 928. Yep, good point. Kind of forgot about him, fandom. He's going to win that award. Sorry, Walker. You could be great, but it's going to be really difficult to catch Corbin Carroll. Um, wondering who's going to pick up the waivers on Anthony Bass. PR disaster right there. One I would bet the Cardinals don't mess with. Yeah, I would I would not anticipate Cardinals picking up Anthony Bass. Look, their bullpen doesn't have anybody that you're going to take out of it. Um, right now it's just it's pretty stable group. Jake Woodford kind of got the shaft a little bit today. He left a bullpen situation that he had a role in and then comes back from his injury and gets optioned right to Memphis because they just don't have a role for him. You you have a lot of guys who are veteran-ish, um, not very many Memphis shuttle type of guys like Cabby, Palante technically could, but they I mean they're pitching pretty well generally. So uh the bullpen shuffle thing is kind of not a thing right now until there's injuries. I think that might be able to jumpstart it. But with the eight, with the eight guys you got out there right now, it's kind of who it is. Um and even Steven Matz, I think, is gonna end up being a valuable lefty for them. Uh so we'll just kind of see. But yeah, Anthony Bass ain't coming. Um Daniel Powder, I don't even know who that is. Corn says, I think I've asked this before, but do the starter innings get skewed by openers? I think they do. Yeah, I mean, I think just in terms of like when I look at those stats on MLB.com, it's going to count a starter as the guy who starts the game. So even if he only pitches once, that's what it is. But uh, the Cardinals don't have openers, but they do rank decently. They're probably middle of the pack in terms of like innings per start, which is, which is fine. Uh, you need to be better, and they're starting to get better. Yep, for a two-out rally in the fourth with a Walker single, Dylan Walk, and a B-Don RBI. Yep, that was scoring without a homer, so good to see Fandom point that out. Ball caught at the wall by Tommy would have only been out in three parks. Okay, that's less than I thought, um, and and not great American. So I think it looked a lot worse than it was. Yeah, and maybe he didn't have to slam in the wall either, but the momentum kind of carried him, so that was that's possible too. Um, it was like two feet from leaving, though. Seemed gone from in person. It was very nervous just watching it going, oh, how much did this game just now change? So it worked out. Patrick, what's going on, man? Jordan about to go on a tear. He looks even more comfortable than when he started the year. Yeah, I agree. He's he's in his element right now, which is a which is a good news for the Cardinals and a bad news for the opponents. Brock, what's going on, buddy? I uh, said this was one of the more complete wins they've had in a long time, and I agree. I understand the bullpen. You had two bullpen guys not do their job. Everybody else on the team tonight did theirs. Uh, it's kind of the way I look at it. Even Goldie, who, you know, did have a good game offensively. Still was doing his uh, his goldie things. So uh, <laughs> I think it was I think it was a, a solid all around win. Brian wants to know: Do you think they could possibly use Young as a trade piece to bring up Win? No, I would be surprised to see it. Uh, although Mason Win, I think is starting to, to put it together a little more offensively in Triple A. Um, I don't think they're like looking to move to Young so that they make room for Win. Um, he's got a seven oh six OPS in Triple A. Hitting 260 on base at 330 clip, like not a lot of power, six homers, stealing. Like he's having a nice year, and I think by the end of the year you'll probably see win. But I, it'll it'll take some injuries. But injuries happen, guys. The Cardinals have been kind of uncannily fortunate with injuries on the infield so far. Just haven't really had any. Uh, whereas the outfield has just been absolutely 
crushed by them. So, yeah, that's kind of the way I look at that one. Um, oh, Bad Day was the, 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 that was the singer of the Bad Day song, Daniel Powder. Do I, I guess I don't know that. I would have thought that it would have hit me when I heard the name, but, uh, nope, never heard of that guy. Um, a lot of people saying need to trade DeYoung and O'Neal for a pitcher ASAP Rocky. Again, the trade values on those guys aren't super high. So the pitcher you're going to get, like if you could get a Giolito maybe, but again, you're trading DeYoung to a team that's going to be buying at the deadline because he doesn't have a long-term contract. You're not trading him to the same team that would maybe want an O'Neal or, or maybe, maybe there's a team out there that says O'Neal helps us this year as a contender. I don't necessarily think that. I think the O'Neal investment would be get him some ABs, get him acclimated, and have him, you know, a runway for next year to be a legit starter for your team. Um, I, those are both short-term guys, though, in general. So I, I just don't know that you're going to be able to. The team that's trading an ace starting pitcher is not going to be looking for those guys necessarily. Maybe O'Neill in the White Sox, but I just I'm not sure about that. Yeah, Will, I see it now. Daniel Powder had a bad day. Yeah, truly a one-hit wonder after all. Uh, young for a reliever if Win is ready. All right, I could get on board with that. Um, if you could get a, a good one, I, I like, I like Paulie. Um, but I could see that argument if Wynn is just beating down the door, but he would really have to be beating down the door, um, to, to make that move. But I get it. Giolito would be ninth says Ethan uh, would be nice says Ethan. Um, and he is on an expiring contract though. So again, O'Neill, DeYoung, White Sox don't really care about that. They're a losing team, it seems. And so if they're trading their, their pitchers, you're going to need to give them probably a prospect or two for Giolito. I think he would be nice, though. Like, if Libby doesn't end up painting out or if you have an injury prior to the deadline to your rotation, that's the one that you probably go, all right, let's go get somebody from the White Sox. Um, but for it to be Giolito, you at least have to either plan to sign him, which is kind of awkward because he's buddies with Flaherty, and I, I don't think you're signing both of them. Uh, plan to sign him or be back in the mix in the division legitimately to where it, it makes sense to buy a rental starting pitcher. But if Libby struggles or you have an injury, I think that would be the the move is to try to get Dylan Cease. And if you can't get him, get somebody else that's legit that you know is better than than what you have. And Fandom mentions that DeYoung and O'Neill just don't have the value to be traded, and I agree with that. Um, Giolito over Shane Bieber all day. Again, different situation, though. I think Bieber's got some more years of control. Giolito does not. So that would be kind of the difference there. And Corn mentioning that Arenado looks much better. Hope he can keep it up. He's obviously very important. Agree with that. Uh, Going to have to wrap things up here, though. I'm over the hour that I that I intended to do. It's 1 a.m., uh, so I appreciate you guys so much. Like the stream before you get out of here. Let's leave it at 30 at least. Thank you guys so much for watching, for listening. Uh, check out B-Shape Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give me a follow. Give me a five-star review. That good stuff always helps out. And uh, YouTube, man, subscribe on your way out. We'll have more Cardinals content all season long. That's what we do here on B-Shape Daily and the Brendan Schaefer YouTube feed. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.